You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. All right, everyone. Today, we've got a special interview with Jeff Zerlin, who is the co-founder and growth lead at Sky Mavis. You guys might know of a cool company, a cool game that he has called Axie Infinity. And I have been making a big push. I know we've been talking about this podcast uh, with Neil about the big push towards Web3 and how everything's going there. Jeff's also known as the Jiho, which I actually thought was your name, by the way. I think when we met in person, I might have led with Jiho first because I actually have a Korean friend named Jiho. Yeah, so, yeah anyway. I'm half Korean. So it actually is both are my name. Jeff is my American name and Jiho is my Okay, Korean I'm name, just yeah. going to call you Jiho from now on then. Cool. Yeah. So I'm going to share a couple of things. And Jeff, I'm going to let you kind of fill the gaps because I think the kind of volume, the scale of what you guys are doing things at is incredible. So you guys have raised over $161 million in funding. Andreessen Horowitz would be one of the investors along with a bunch of other great names in there. Last I checked, you guys were at 2.5 million MAU. What are you guys at now? Yeah, it's actually uh, around 2.6 million daily active users. Daily there active are, users. Okay. Yeah, there, there are you 3 go. million people who own Axies. Yeah, we've done 3.8 billion billion dollars of volume on our in-house NFT marketplace that's been built specifically for this game. So Wow, that's incredible. Okay, there's a lot to talk about here. And I think maybe, uh, Jeff, maybe you might not like this comparison, but is the easiest way for people that don't know about this to just say, oh, this is more like a, like a Pokemon type of game? Sure. Yeah, I, I think it's a decent comparison, right? And it's digital pets, they're cute and fierce that are fighting and you can collect them. So a lot of it overlaps. Got it. And then final question before we jump into the thick of things. So you guys are valued at around what right now? So this is kind of a two-part response, right? So the Axie protocol is valued at around $6 billion in circulating market cap. And Sky Mavis itself is we raised our Series B at $3 billion, right? So the reason that there's a little bit of a difference is... So Axie is actually a community-owned game. It's more like a creature or an invention that we've birthed. And we, as the inventors, own around 20% of it. Got it. Yeah, no, that's impressive. And I mean, this has been like fast growth. I I was just listening to, I mean, listening to one of the podcasts that you did, but just looking at kind of, nobody was really talking about Axie Infinity, like you go 12, 18 months back. And now it's kind of like a gold standard, right? When it comes to kind of uh, creating games in the world of Web3. So can you get a little background on yourself first, and then we'll jump into it? So I am a gamer. I'm a collector. I grew up collecting insects and fossils with my father. I'm half Korean. So my cousins were always bringing me the latest Blizzard games. And for some reason, whatever game I ended up playing, the rest of my school would play as well. So yeah, I'm interested in military and economic history. I see Web3 as a trend where these online grassroots communities are becoming kind of like sovereign digital nation states. So that's also a lot of the framework that I use when I'm looking at Axie, right? It's become much more than a game. It's a way of life. There's culture, there's entertainment, and then there's actually this thriving economic engine, a real economy attached to it as well. So uh, yeah. Got it. And actually, I mean, there's a, we do this founders book club and we just all finished a book called The Sovereign Individual, which you might've read, but the whole idea behind that one is like the power of the nation state is kind of going down. And I I love the fact that you're talking about, yeah, people are actually creating these nation states. And that book, which was written in 97, talks about how the metaverse is going to be a thing. So it's very prescient. It was written by two VCs. And now all that stuff is really playing out now. So I guess, I mean, you know, aside from talking about kind of the cute characters, I mean, what can people exactly do in the game? Like, how is that? 
I guess, how's everything working together right now? Because I think I have a lot of people that come up to me, they're like, okay, like Axie, like $6 billion, like, you know, circulating market cap. Like, how does that make any sense? How do you justify that? This is all like a bunch of BS. So I, I want something that's actually boots on the ground doing this stuff, maybe be able to explain the craziness. Sure. So there are a couple of different ways to look at it. So on the surface, right, Axie is a universe of games, right? So the main product that's gotten traction so far is a card battle system. So Axies are creatures. They have real genes that correspond to physical attributes. Those parts, right, their horn, eyes, mouth, these correspond to cards that they can actually draw in battle, right? So there is this very fun and engaging card battle game. Some people compare it to something like a, a cross between Pokemon and Hearthstone. And people are actually able to play that game, earn tokens with real world value by playing that game. But first and foremost, right, like Axie is incredibly fun. We have players with all these different motivations, right? So there are collectors, there are people who are just right, collecting the cutest or the rarest axes. There are people who are really focused on the PvP leaderboard. So joining tournaments, really battling, you know, hoping, uh, accumulating axes so that they can have a different type of axie or a different type of team depending on their opponent, right? So that actually increases demand for axes within the ecosystem. There are people that are breeding axes either just for fun or to actually supply axes for battle for some of the top players. Most of the top players, they don't actually breed the axes themselves. They go to someone who's a specialist in breeding and will often like create some economic arrangement. There are scholars. So these are people who cannot afford axes, but will borrow axes and share a percentage of the tokens that they earn while playing with the people who actually own the axes. So that's something we can maybe get into a little bit more later. There are content creators, artists, right? So there are all these different kinds of professions and archetypes within Axie Infinity. And so, yeah, we're also working on future game modes, right? So we're working on something called Project K, which is short for Kingdom. This will be a land-based game, kind of similar to Stardew Valley or Animal Crossing, kind of mixed with this like Pokemon feel. So you'll be able to build up a town, harvest resources, fight for control of territory, socialize with people, even build experiences on top of that land. So the end game, right, is for Axie to be protocol, right? A kind of a protocol for internet monster games, right? Where anyone, anywhere can build on top of the Axie IP and create their own loops and thereby kind of add value and, and fun and, and new experiences to the ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, all of it sounds amazing. This reminds me of, and I'm sure same thing for you too, playing a lot of Blizzard games, right? But also like playing a lot of MMORPGs, EverQuest, World of Warcraft, selling stuff, right? Even playing Diablo 2, selling Tarnhelms or Stone of Jordans, right? But like, this is actually like, it's all happening now. And it, it's, I don't know, everything's kind of coming full circle. So I guess one thing you talked about, you had this big, hairy, audacious goal, right? On this podcast, we talk a lot about company setting goals and everything. So you have a big, hairy, audacious goal of reaching how many people? What is that number? So there are 3 billion gamers, and we think that these types of games, these digital economies will massively expand the pie. This tends to be what happens right when a new game genre comes. Is It doesn't necessarily vampire attack all the existing game genres, but it expands the potential pool of players, right? So we think that we can get into the billions. And we're looking at this, right, not as right acquiring users or customers, but we're kind of a startup nation that's growing and recruiting citizens. Wow, that's fascinating. So I, I want to jump in on that because that actually goes into the marketing piece. So you read these articles online, people are like, okay, well, I read about people in the Philippines making like a lot of money, you know, doing this play to earn thing, right? So A, 
if you're to simplify, what does play to earn actually mean? And then B, maybe some examples on how much people are actually making playing Axie. So this is something that the media, right, really likes to focus on because it's a new thing, right? Like people are able to kind of survive and, and earn in these digital economies. So what I'll say first, right, is that we're starting to see a trend where our digital lives are gaining increasing importance relative to our physical lives. So our digital identities, our digital items, the digital experiences are starting to become more important and therefore more valuable, right? So because of this trend and because right there are things within the Axie universe that people are interested in just spending money for out of the thrill of the experience, the social capital and all that, right? Because there are people who are willing to spend in the game, then this creates opportunities for others to kind of economically specialize and actually earn by, for example, farming in-game resources that can be used to create new game assets and in our case, uh, axes. So right, that's how it works, right? And I think there's a lot of misunderstanding or skepticism. I think that skepticism is healthy. And I think it makes sense given the way that sometimes this emerging sector is portrayed, right? Because ultimately, in order for someone to be able to earn, someone has to be spending for non-financial value, right? So there are tons of value. There are tons of forms of value that are not financial, right? There's status, there's kind of power, there's recognition, right? So a lot of the spending in these economies is analogous to spending in the real world, right? Why do people buy like really expensive art pieces? Why do people buy crazy watches? Why do people buy expensive shoes, right? A lot of that spending is actually hard for a large portion of the general population to understand, but it's a way of expressing ourselves and defining our identity. And of course, with the last couple of years, we haven't been able to go outside. So it's natural that more of this type of spending would start to emerge. Yeah, I think it's all subjective at the end of the day, right? People value Bitcoin because people value Bitcoin. Uh, it's not like it's valuable or not. It's whatever humans think. So from a marketing perspective right now, I mean, like, you know, on the ad agency side, a lot of people reach out. They want, they're like, we want Web3 marketing, right? And I'm like, what do you mean, right? So I think marketing is going to be shifting, right? Like we look at the iOS changes last year, like things aren't going to be as, they're not going to be easy mode anymore. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to crank out some Facebook ads and just let the algorithm run. It's a lot more sophisticated now. And I think what you guys are doing is how you guys have grown. It's pretty impressive, right? So growth team obviously doesn't just encompass marketing, but there's probably designers and developers as well. So my first question would be, you know, you running a growth team, how is that team structured? And, you know, we'll just start there. So I think a lot of the expansion strategy is, right, it's not really, doesn't perfectly align or it's, it's quite different from how traditional games expand, right? And I think it's also been helpful that none of us <laughs> who are doing the growth strategy in the early days, we don't really have a traditional marketing experience or a traditional gaming experience. I think a lot of the lessons that I learned that were helpful for Axie were right, being president of my fraternity in college, right? It's like, okay, you can't do paid ads for a fraternity, right? It needs to be organic. You need to rely on, right? Like word of mouth referrals, like community building. You need to create an amazing culture and community that's going to naturally attract the right people. So I think that's really how we thought about Axie from the early days, right? Is like, okay. And I think there are master community builders from Web2 that kind of also have like shined the light forward, like right people like Gary Vee and, and Alexis, right? They talk about, right, becoming friends with your users, writing them like, you know, handwritten notes, right? Just community building, right? Communities, right? I don't know, there are maybe like 20 plus classifications of distribution channels. So I started doing some research. And I realized that, right, Axie works because we have this incredibly strong community. And they amplify all other channels, right? right? They're posting, they're making content, they're amplifying tweets, they're telling their friends and family. So I strongly believe that, especially in Web3, right? 
community is the beginning and the end in terms of distribution. So I think that's been our principle. Of course, I think things will get a little bit more complex and there may be other channels that open up. And I think that's going to be a good thing, right? Like I think the holy grail of Web3 distribution is, right, can you do interesting, scalable paid experiments, if that makes sense. I think the path forward on that is not totally clear, but I think it will become clear. And I think we're poised to kind of really innovate in that direction. Uh, we have just added some team members that are from the traditional gaming space that have right that were kind of NFT people at at night moonlighting as NFT people that were working in traditional games, and so I, I think we're going to see more of a hybrid approach going forward, where right you can do some paid experiments. But yeah, I think also right like we just have this culture of experimentation where we're looking to refine on a day to day basis. We talk to our users. And yeah, you know, I think we have this culture where we're building something that's never been built before. So we have to try strategies that have never been tried before, if that makes sense. I think that not even knowing what to do in the beginning, I think that was a, a good advantage for us because we kind of came in with a blank slate and just tried to figure out what the playbook was. Yeah, I think to your point, I think it's good to not have that bias. And then now, like, here's the other benefit. I think, you know, even though I've been pumping NFTs quite a bit on this podcast, at the end of the day, NFTs help they give people a sense of ownership. And what ends up happening is you build that community that becomes your army and everyone just starts to talk about it because the more they talk about it, the more the NFTs go up or the more the just general token goes up too, right? And it's one of the hardest things to do. Like to actually build an audience, that's one thing, but to build a community and foster that community, it's a lot of hard work, which is why I believe that 99% of the projects out there, like not even on the gaming side, but on the, just on the NFT side are going to go to poo-poo. So what are you guys doing? So community is obviously a big piece of it, right? People end up staying for the community. It's nice retention mechanism. What else are you guys doing that's been working well? Because I just want people to get a sense of like, again, Web3 growth marketing. Sure. I think that right content marketing, right? So making sure that you have a consistent tone and that your community understands that they're part of something greater, right? That this, I guess, this idea of starting a movement, starting a revolution, making sure that people understand that through your messaging, through right your, you know, through your email, emails, through your blog posts through your Discord announcements, through your Twitter. I think a lot of it is, right, like, okay, I see us as, right, we're kind of like the synapses or like the nervous system, right? So we have this huge kind of hive mind, right? And they can be really powerful, but they need to be harnessed correctly and they need to understand the directions from above. So I see it as, right, like there's like chemical signaling, right, in like in an ant colony, for example, right? So it's like our team is basically sending that chemical messaging to every member of the community that's then, right, like they understand, okay, how do we talk about Axie? How do we create content about Axie? Uh, I think those need to be really, really crystal clear. So yeah, I think like sharing the vision, talking about the vision, like repetition, right? Like one of the things that I always tell my team is that human beings, they need to hear something 12 times before they actually retain it on average, right? So repeating the vision, even if it seems maybe obnoxious sometimes, right? Like we'll also like, we'll look at, right? Like messaging that performed really well and then just use that same tweet, right? Like maybe add a different image to it. Make sure that... Because also when you're growing really quickly... 100,000 people are in the community that weren't here last week, right? So they also need, right? Like you need to recycle and improve and refine that core messaging. So yeah, I think that's really been our bread and butter. And then also making sure that the community understands that we care about them, that we're talking to them, that they have input. We just did this thing with season 20 for... So we, from time to time, we'll balance the cards, the stats of the cards in the game. But it's really important for the community to understand, right, that they're part of this co-creation process. So for season 20, I actually just 
made a copy of the Google Sheet that we use for the in-game balancing. And I said, hey, like if you have ideas, right, we're going to look at them. You know, copy our sheet, post your reasoning, and we'll take a look. And I think that actually because of that, the balancing for this upcoming season is going to be better and more aligned with the community than any balancing patch that's, that's ever happened, right? So making sure that the community understands how they can contribute to the direct success, right? They want to help. They feel like they're missionaries, builders, and they're part of this army that wants to help. But sometimes, right, they might not know exactly what to do. So if you can kind of efficiently scale coordination to this army of believers, then right, you're starting to cook with oil. One of the people that I talked to, he is one of the organizers of Tiananmen Square. Uh, so, right, like I talk to him all the time about, he's like, okay, like that's cute. Like you're talking to 2 million people. How are you preparing to talk to 500 million people like I had to do? So I think also, right, it's like, yeah, like there are really, really, really passionate and interesting people that want to help with Axie. They all have their unique set of skills and attributes. Kind of like a video game character, right? Everyone has different skill set and stat distribution. And a lot of them want to help, right? So it's like, how do you scale getting them to be doing what's best for the community and the network? And, you know, like, I think we've done a decent job at that, but I think there's still a lot to be done there. Yeah. So, I mean, with the leadership side, I mean, definitely like it's over communicating, right? It's, it's repeating yourself over and over almost to the point where it, it feels like it's annoying. I want to go back to the team real quick because it does take a village. It does take an army to kind of manage what you guys are doing too, right? So again, how is the team structured? Like you have community managers, like who else do you have on the team? We have, we have a marketing lead, Quinn. We have a, you know, esports and creator lead. Uh, his name is Ziori. So he does like a lot of the esports and the tournaments. We have, uh, you know, our COO. He's also helping a lot with the community processes and, you know, also going out and different, you know, podcasts and sharing the vision and, and bringing on, right, like contributors and investors that can help get us to where we need to be. Um, it's a really small, it's a really lean team. You know, we have a support team of 10 people. They're doing a lot of the ticketing, but also like the Discord management. So I think like right now, our Discord, a lot of it is being done from kind of like a guard dog status where it's like we have all these new people that want to get information. How do we make sure that they're not getting like, you know, that they understand what to do, that they're not getting like Discord DM'd by bad actors and things like that. So yeah, I think like also like, yeah, our... Community infrastructure is not scaled as fast as our community. I think that's okay. But I think right, like adding more kind of community leaders, community architects, I guess, I think that's also one of our priorities for 2021. I think also like we know who a lot of the leaders are within the community and we'll talk to them, right? And they're doing a lot of the stuff like hosting Twitter spaces, hosting podcasts about Axie, streaming, right? Like we'll talk to them and make sure that they're aligned and understand our vision and if they need help. But a lot of this stuff too is like a little bit ad hoc and, and needs to be scaled for millions of people. Yeah. I mean, the Charlie Munger quote is, uh, show me the incentive and I'll show you the outcome. And everyone in your community is incentivized to help each other out. And it's almost like a recruiting mechanism for you too. So I, I think it's genius, right? Which is why all this social tokens, NFTs, Web3 gaming, it all makes sense to me. Speaking of incentives, I believe you guys also incentivize your users with merch too. Is there anything else you do that's creative to kind of get people to do stuff? So yeah, not all incentives need to be monetary or right direct value. I mean, the cool thing, right, is that we have tokens that can be right used in the game and right, we can give access to people and we do a lot of contests and stuff like that. We are working on merch. We've only given out some like kind of, you know, in person. So we haven't sold any merch. That's something that I think is, is going to be really important, right? Like toys, right? I think blending the digital and the physical. We've had meetups recently as, you know, some places have started to open up. We've had these crazy meetups where, you know, we'll 
get 8,000 ups and say, okay, we have to do it like really far. <laughs> we have to do it somewhere like, you know, in the wilderness so that only the true missionaries can make it. So yeah, you know, I think the meetups are also something that's, you know, been an interesting trend. We're starting to see like Axie communities, Axie villages that are popping up in different places in the world that are, you know, want to hang out. I go to the gym almost every day with Axie community members and play basketball with them, right? Like, so it's also starting to seep into the physical. And I think that's really important because I'm usually like in the middle. I'm like a moderate. Like I'm not totally digital. I'm not totally physical. Like I think it's at the intersection of things that we start to see really awesome ideas. That's well said. All right. So working towards wrapping up here, I'm going to throw some rapid fire questions at you. So how are you personally getting better at just learning Web3 stuff? Because everything's shifting so quickly. There are a lot of like amazing Twitter accounts to follow and even like Telegram channels, right? So it's gonna be hard, but you know, they're basically right. They're awesome leaders in the space that will right, keep you updated. So something that I think is super helpful is called like the Daily Ape. That's like Darren Lau's uh, Telegram channel. So where you see all like the different announcements and news. But yeah, I think a lot of people, they stress themselves out trying to right, like stay updated with everything, but. I don't think that's necessarily helpful or necessary or even productive. I think also like making sure that you're laser focused, right? One exercise that I always try and do with my team, with myself is like, what's our number one priority? What is the thing that you're going to, we're focusing on that's going to get like us 80%? And are we spending 80% of our time on that thing? Or are we spending too much time on side quests, right? I think that's as a leader, I think that's really important to constantly like, do that exercise with yourself and your teammates. That's something that my Chong, our uh, CEO, he used to do with me in the early days because I'm like ADD. I'm all over mm -hmm. the place. He was like, what is your number one priority right now? And like, why does it not match what I think your number one priority should be, right? So I think that's an incredibly important exercise. Yeah, there's a really good book for everyone. It's called The One Thing by Gary Keller. So Keller Williams, right? The whole real estate stuff. Basically that, right? So, and for you right now, what are you personally excited about? Could be with an Axie or just anything. So the two things that I'm super excited about right now is the launch of the Ronin token, which is going to be the ecosystem token for Ronin. Ronin is an Ethereum sidechain that we built specifically to scale these NFT experiences, these digital nations. So we're working very hard on that. And then I'm also super excited about the launch of Axie Infinity Origin, which is kind of our third iteration of our battle system. It's going to be faster. The animations are going to be better. Uh, it's going to be more skill-based. And most importantly, it's going to be more accessible, right? So anyone will be able to download, start playing, get three free starter axes, and start falling in love with the universe, understanding the mechanics before they have to make any financial decisions. Right now, in order to start playing, you actually need to right, like figure out the meta what the meta is for a game that you've never played before. That's actually why referrals are really important right now because usually people will say, hey, I'm going to give you these axes, play them this way. Um, they're going to go well together. It's very difficult as to go from zero to purchase on your own. Like You have to be really driven. You have to do a lot of research on YouTube and Google and, and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm super excited about how like the barriers to entry are going to be basically demolished with their upcoming battle system release. Got it. Depending on when this goes out, people still are probably going to have to figure it out in terms of how to start playing, right? So the idea, right, is to... We can talk about like funnels here. Right? So yeah. in Web3 right now, it's like there is no soft activation, right? It's like awareness and then it's like you have to spend money <laughs> usually, right? That's kind of how it goes. Whereas right, the idea is like, okay, we can get someone hooked on the game, on the community first, and then gently introduce them to the Web3 elements, right? And make that fun, gamify that and, and make that right, something where 
right? You're doing that with an activated user already rather than someone who's only like maybe aware. Love it. All right. Here's an out of nowhere question. Favorite business book? So, I mean, I'll just talk about the most recent book that I read, which is The Bomber Mafia by Gladwell. I thought that that was really, it kind of resonated with me a lot. So it's this book about the evolution of American bombing strategy, right? So there was this idea that, right, like high altitude precision bombing would be really key in making sure that World War II would be a really quick war. And it sounds amazing, right? It's like, okay, rather than having to carpet bomb cities, we could just take out the factory that take out a a couple of key factories that could basically grind the German war machine to a halt. So this was like, and as a reader, you're like, yeah, this is awesome. This is why we won the war. Like, we're so smart. We're Americans are amazing. It's that's kind of like, you you start to think that, but then, right, everything goes wrong, right? Like it doesn't work because the system that they're using to basically figure out where it precisely to drop the bombs, it doesn't work if it's cloudy. It doesn't work if it's windy. You need to be flying during the daytime, which exposes you to a lot of risk. So then, right, the interesting thing that happened is, okay, actually, what ended up winning the war, right, what we saw in Japan is low altitude carpet bombing of using napalm, right, which basically is horrific, destroys, you know, a lot of the uh, Japanese cities and towns, and I guess, like, you know, kind of precursor to the nuclear bombs. But then, right now, in our current era, where we're seeing, right, that actually, yeah, high altitude precision bombing has won out, right? Like now we can even target individual people in a certain section of a building, right? So the lesson for me was I was thinking about this in terms of decentralization. We as app developers, we think that, right, like decentralization, we understand that decentralization will win in the long run. But the question that we have to think about is, as founders right now is, is decentralization, is it like high altitude precision bombing in World War II, where there's a war that we need to fight right now, but that technology might not be ready. So do we need to compromise? Do we need to make some Faustian bargain almost, where we build like a hybrid app, right? Which I think like Axie can be classified as to basically win this war so that we can survive to get to the era of high altitude precision bombing aka decentralization in my analogy so well i mean so here's the thing like with business right a lot of this stuff is timing right so I, i'm in agreement with you like timing and you know what's old might become new again and to your point earlier you just talked about kind of being in the middle moderate right like i'm pretty in the middle on like a lot of these things so i think something should be decentralized something shouldn't but i think a lot of things will probably be more decentralized so we're probably in agreement there but i think it's just you know kind of being in the middle is probably the ideal spot right like extremes are never really good is which is what we're seeing in the world right now so final question for you. What is yours? I asked favorite business book now, favorite business tool, or it just could be any tool. It has to be Discord. I owe my life to Discord. Uh, you know, I was just a crypto kitty breeder. And then I met the people that would go on to change my life through Discord. So I'm a huge fan of it. I think that there are some issues I would love for them to embrace Web3 more. But I also have to admit that it's, it's really changed my life. Wow. So that's how you met your co-founders. Yes, I actually found Axie as a... We didn't really talk too much about the Genesis tree, but I actually discovered Axie as a community member. And I just started trying to help. So I came in the Discord. People were excited because they kind of knew about me from the CryptoKitty era. I tried to build a little bit of a brand for myself. And then I came in and I just started to energize the community, do some community building, do some writing. And things really just started to snowball from there. So yeah, like Discord is amazing. And it's actually... We run Sky Mavis out of Discord as well. Like We don't use Slack. If if someone tells me to go in a Slack channel, like it's okay. But like... 
yeah. you're not going to be able to talk to me. Uh, yeah, that's hard. It's because I'm on the other side of that, right? Because on the business side, we use Slack so much. But I, Discord's native to me, like coming from a gaming background. But I get it. We'll have to do another one of these episodes to talk more about the Genesis story and everything. And you know, as things develop more, maybe like I don't know, six to twelve months or so. I want to talk about one more thing before we go. So your Twitter has, I mean, you're at about a couple hundred thousand, four hundred sixty-two thousand followers, right? So Twitter obviously makes a lot of sense from like a growth channel standpoint. How have you grown it over the years? Like, how long did it even take for you to get to the first hundred thousand? Yeah, I mean, I think I've added most of my users in the last couple of months. Um, so I think even in September of 2021, I was at maybe 150k. So that's the way that these things do is it works, right? Like they start to snowball. So in the early days, right, I was like, hey, like I want a voice, I want a platform. I also, right, it's like you can do influencer marketing or you can become the influencer. And then also the influencers, the content creators will have more respect for you because you kind of understand their journey, right? So I think that's a lot. And then I like to write, like, I think people find my tweets entertaining or important and engaging. But yeah, I think it's key in Web3 to have, right? I think one of the founders to be really active and on Twitter. Also, what I'll say is in the early days, a lot of my activity was in Discord, right? And the Discord chat wasn't moving so quickly. So, right, like I could talk there and people could kind of digest a lot of that information. A lot of the founders, we would actually do that. But then as the community has grown, right, Discord is a madhouse right now, right? Like, so in order to scale communication with the community, Twitter started to become a lot more important as well. Got it. And for Twitter too, by the way, were you like in the very beginning, like how many times were you tweeting today per day? Cause some people are like, yeah, I'm tweeting 15 to 20 times a day. Like I just wonder what was going on in Jeff's head. I didn't set like goals for myself or anything like that, but I think I've tweeted a lot. I think I've tweeted a lot. Like I also like, I'm, I like to amplify, right? Like key tweets from the community as well. So a lot of my tweets are just retweets from awesome Axie content, for example. Got it. Awesome. Well, Jeff, this has been great. We got to do it again. What's the best way for people to find you online and for people to find out more about Axie? So Axie, go to axieinfinity.com, A-X-I-E. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm J-I-H-O-Z underscore Axie. All right. Perfect, Jeff. Thanks so much for doing this. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Eric. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.